Can I read you a scripture this morning? Okay, good. If you'd have said no, I still would have read it. So, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Um, This is a verse that was driven home to me earlier this year. And I think it is so vital that when we have opportunity to give honor that we do so. Especially honor from the heart. Um, This is, tomorrow is Veterans Day and this is the Veterans Day weekend. And so this morning, I want to take just a moment and to say thank you to our veterans. And so if you're a veteran in here, do you mind just standing with us for a moment? Can you just stand? Okay. Absolutely. Praise God. And if you are a spouse of a veteran this morning, or the widow, or a widower of a veteran, do you mind standing along with our veterans today as well? Because sacrifice is something that happens all across the family. Thank you so much. And for those of us who are not uh, today veterans, I would encourage you, uh, as you see these, uh, just to say thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you for um, uh, the sacrifice that you made. And on both sides of that, if you would thank for service, I think that would be appropriate for us to do. And, uh, And as you go out to lunch today, as you see veterans, if you would, just say thank you. And, and give honor where honor is due. In fact, I would like to pray a prayer over our veterans this morning. And I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. And we're going to pray over the offering at the same time. And then we're going to pray over our veterans uh, this morning and over the spouses of our veterans. And just pray blessings over them. And that the Lord would provide honor um, because honor is due. And so um, would you join with me in that prayer? Father. We thank you for this tremendous country that we live in. God, we do not take it lightly. And as we pay taxes, we recognize that those taxes go to fund this country that we live in. And so, Father, we do thank you for it, the blessing of it. And God, we do not take it lightly. And as we offer honor to those who have sacrificed in order that we would enjoy the freedom that we have, We do not do it lightly. We do it from the heart. And if we don't desire it, oh God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and give us a desire to give honor where honor is due in the name of Jesus. I do pray blessings over our veterans and families of veterans today, the spouses, widows, widowers of veterans today. Oh God, I just pray blessings and covering and keeping and the presence of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Oh God, I pray that you would comfort and strength and uplift and help, oh God. And I ask that you would just provide blessing in the name of Jesus 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you for them. We thank you for this country in the name of Jesus. And Father, we do pray over this offering right now as well. We just ask that you would help um, just, just help it to not only meet the needs of this congregation, but may it overflow in blessing to those around us. That is your pattern. And so, God, we thank you for that. We ask that that would be the case. Bless, bless this congregation. With that goal in mind, we ask in the name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. amen. Uh, everybody together said, amen. 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 Ushers, if you would begin to serve. You know, the great thing about being the pastor is when You pray a prayer and people don't say amen loud enough. You just say, and everybody said, and then everybody has to say it louder. And then God will hear it. It'll be great. You said amen, so you prayed it right along with me this morning. Uh, We are kicking off our missions convention this week. If you've not been a part of, of this in the past, this is something we always do right around this time of the year. I actually had somebody, two somebodies, come to me now and said something about you always do it right around deer season, right? And that is because I don't want you to hold the checkbook. I want your wife to hold the checkbook. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Uh, But it is right around deer season. Deer season starts on Saturday. Rifle season starts on Saturday. Um, And so for me, I just thought, for those of you who are going to be gone next weekend, if you were a real hunter, you would have done it during blow dart season. <laughs> Anybody can get a deer during rifle season. I got mine during pocket knife season, okay? So, <laughs> you could tell just by looking at my shirt that I got mine during pocket knife season. Sure did, sure did. Uh, but truly, sorry about that. We, we always do schedule it right around uh, deer season, uh, and that does start Saturday. So here's what you need to do. If you were planning on, on going hunting, all you need to do is start right now. By faith, you will get a 12-point buck first thing Saturday morning. Can I get an amen? Okay? Yeah. Name it and claim it, brother. The buck stops here. That's what you say. Okay, by faith. And those who have enough faith will be back on Saturday and on Sunday. Those who don't have enough faith will still be in the blind, okay? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but we're excited about it. This is uh, Missions Convention Week. We do, we take two Sundays every year and the week that goes in between them, and we really just focus in on, on missions and what our participation here at Praise Assembly looks like in the larger scheme of things. Um, because you'll hear us talk more and more about the fact that God has called us to right where we are. He put us here on the northeast corner of Springfield for a reason. And he called us to this space, and we want to make sure that we are making Northeast Springfield never better. You're going to hear us say that all the time, and you're going to get sick of it, and then you're going to hear it again. But even as he has called us to this space, the kingdom of God is unique in that it is not limited to the borders of our boundaries or this city or this county or this state 
or this nation, but that the kingdom of God permeates the people all across this world. And so for us, we are called to participate in that kingdom of God. And the way that we do that is by participating with those who are and have been called to different people groups. One of my favorite parts about this week is the Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, we invite missionaries who are itinerating. Some of you know what that means. That means you've been in the circles that I've been in for a while. Itinerating means that these are missionaries who are uh, traveling around to different churches and raising support in order to get out on the field for the first time or to um, uh, get back out on the field the second, third, fourth, fifth time. And they're reconnecting with churches. But for us, then we invite a bunch of missionaries who are all itinerating and we give them a, a space on that Wednesday night in order to share a little bit about what God has called them to, where they're going to, what God is doing right now. And what I love about Wednesday night is that by the time a missionary shows up at Praise Assembly, they, if they're appointed, that missionary has jumped through some pretty significant hoops. And they come with the covering of the Assemblies of God, World Missions, U.S. Missions. This is somebody who has, um, uh, it, it began with God calling them. Putting some people on their hearts, some place on their hearts. Making them passionate about something. Which means then... On Wednesday, when we have windows into what God is doing, that's exactly what you're getting. You're seeing, where is the water shaking right now? What is God doing right now? How is he moving across this world through the United States? What's he doing right now? What is he going to be doing in the decades to come? And it's a really beautiful picture to see Where is God working? How is he moving right now and in the years to come? Because you get little glimpses of that. It's a beautiful time. So I encourage you to join us Wednesday night, 6.30 in here. And then Saturday, uh, we have our missions banquet. And if you haven't signed up yet for it, go out to praise.fyi right now. Go ahead and sign up for it. Um, uh, Normally, what we would do is we would take up an offering on Saturday at that missions banquet just to offset costs. And we normally would take up an offering on Wednesday night in order to uh, uh, just help and offer hospitality to our missionaries and to help offset the cost there as well. Um, But I want to do that differently this year. I really felt like if we were going to have missionaries here on Wednesday night, what we should do is we should just take up one offering today. And then on Wednesday, you can come with the expectation of connecting with, meeting, talking to, praying for, praying with missionaries. And then if you join us at that banquet, we won't take up an offering there because really the banquet for us is an opportunity for us to say, thank you for giving and participating in this all year long. Well, I hate to do that and then to take up an offering. Right, So what we're going to do is today at the end of service, we're going to take up one additional offering, and that will help offset 
all of those costs and help us to offer true hospitality to all of the missionaries who are going to be coming through the doors of this church. So anyways, at the banquet, join us for that. Sign up on praise.fyi. Guest speaker is going to be Alton Garrison. He has served for many years as the assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Uh, A wonderful speaker. He's also going to be uh, playing some music for us. Um, And uh, you want to join us for that on Saturday. You can sign up again, praise.fyi. Next Sunday, we have Malcolm Burley with us, and he serves as the head of U.S. missions in the Assemblies of God, serves on the executive leadership team, so uh, uh, you're going to be blessed with his ministry next Sunday. So all I'm saying is this, that is two heavy hitters, right? Those are two heavy hitters that we have coming in next weekend, so you don't want to miss it. Which means that I get to set the stage for them today. My goal is to to lead off hit. If I get a solid single, I'm happy today. Okay, so if I get a solid single and then next week they hit it out of the park, you let them know it's because I hit a solid single this morning. Okay, so our goal today is to just kind of set the stage and to kind of talk a little bit about what the heart of that could look like. Okay, so grab your Bibles this morning. Once you have your Bibles, if you would open them up to the book of 3 John. 3 John. Not 2 John, not 1 John. Not John chapter 3, 3 John. It's right near the end. If you get to Revelation, turn a couple pages to the left and you're in 3 John this morning. I don't know if you woke up this morning and you looked at the weather and you thought, I'm going to church on a day when it's going to be 68 degrees outside. Don't think anything about that, okay? I just mentioned that for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Just know that tomorrow it's going to be miserable. Okay, that's not helping either. If you didn't accomplish anything this weekend, right now you're going to accomplish something. Because we are not just reading a little bit of 3 John. We're going to read an entire book of the Bible this morning. Yeah. You tell them at the, at the restaurant today. I read a whole book of the Bible this morning. What did you do? 3 John, shortest book in the Bible by 26 words, beats out 2 John. So here we go, 3 John, doesn't even have a chapter in it. You call it 3 John 1, that's just referring to the first verse, and that's where we're starting. We're going to read the whole thing this morning. 3 John 1, here's what it says. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Now, we're reading a whole book of the Bible, so I'm not going to stop a whole lot, but I do need to stop here and kind of set up what's happening here. So when it says that this is written by the elder, I commonly believe that that elder is John. That's why it's called 
3 John. So the same one who wrote 2 John, same one who wrote 1 John, same one who wrote the Gospel of John, same one who wrote the Revelation of John. 3 John. When it says he's the elder, that's probably a, um, a title he was given within the church, right? And when it was written, it's commonly believed that this was written right at the end of the first century. Which means that when this letter was written, he was probably the last living apostle. So when it says the elder, it probably means that old apostle, John. It's written to the beloved Gaius. Um, there are three Gaiuses, Gaiuses, Gaiusi, Gaiuses in Gaius. I think, okay. Gaiuses in the New Testament. Uh, this probably doesn't refer to any of them. Gaius was one of the most common names in the Roman Empire. Gaius Julius Caesar. Gaius is what everybody was named or a bunch of people were named. So most likely this is written to somebody who does not show up anywhere else in the New Testament. It's not written to a church. It's written to Gaius. The elder to the beloved Gaius. When this is written, most likely again, John is based out of Ephesus. See, this is written after, if it's after all the other apostles have died... This is written after Paul has died. And so it's believed that John steps into the gap left behind by Paul and provides leadership not just to Ephesus and the church there, but all the churches around. So based in Ephesus, John writes this letter to Gaius, who's probably in one of the churches in one of the surrounding towns or cities. So in the gravitational pull of Ephesus, but further away. Okay? The elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. So whoever this Gaius is, he is loved by John, the apostle, who is referred to as Jesus, by Jesus as the apostle that he loved, his disciple that he loved. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Verse 2, beloved. How many times is he going to say, Love. He says love a whole lot in this letter. The only word he uses more than love or beloved is the word truth. Whom I love in truth. He starts by praying a prayer for him. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. I love this prayer. This prayer is what drew my attention to 3 John and why I've been reading it a whole bunch lately. Because this prayer, I think, is probably one of the most beautiful prayers to pray over somebody. And I've started praying it over you, and I've started praying it over me. Because it says, I pray, and I don't think this is just nice words he's saying. I believe he's been praying this over Gaius, and he is praying it right now as he writes this letter. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. He ties those three things, your circumstances, your health, and the state of your soul all together. 
And I think that's beautiful because they are tied together. And the prayer that I believe he's praying here is saying, I pray that your circumstances and your health will be used for the health and well-being of your soul. And that as it is well with your soul, then it will be well with your health and it will be well with you. So I've started praying that over myself and I've started praying that over you. Continues on. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I'm not going to stop anymore um, after this. <laughs> uh, I, he says not just that you have truth, but that you are walking in it. Right? Not just that you're walking, but that you're walking in truth. Not just that you have truth, but that you are walking in the truth. That you have the truth, and that you are now taking the steps that come along with holding the truth. Okay? And then he continues on. Verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you, greet the friends, each by name. All right, everybody pat yourself on the back. You just read a whole book of the Bible in one sitting. All right, now let's move to Psalms. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just... Jeremiah? Uh, no. I love this letter. And I've been reading this letter. I've been reading all of the letters at the end a lot lately. But 3 John in particular has been one that I've just been mulling on and reading through and thinking about. And I think part of the, there's multiple reasons why. But I think part of the reason why I love this letter so much is how personal it is. It's not written to a church. It's written to one person. But even as it's written to one person, it, it ends with, I had much to write to you. But I would rather not write with pen and ink. 
Instead, I want to come to you face to face, he says. So if I'm not going to write with pen and ink, I'm going to do what Paul did, and I'm going to write on your very heart. He says, greet the friends for me. You know who they are, the friends we have together. Greet them name, each by name. And then he says, the friends greet you. So whichever friends that they hold together that are there and those friends that are then with John, they're all greeting one another. It's very personal. And I love how he writes this. But, but I also love, there's really three people. There's four if you include John. But there's three individual people that are talked about in this letter by name. One we already brought up is Gaius. The second is this guy named Diotrephes. In verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So this Diotrephes, it says, likes to put himself first, the literal there, likes the place of preeminence. Which the only place that that's used, apart from this, in the whole Bible, is Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So this Diotrephes guy is apparently like a power player within the church. And apparently, he likes the place that belongs to Jesus. I think that would be a pretty bad spot to be. But this Diotrephes then, as a result of that, does not acknowledge the authority of John. The last living apostle... He does not acknowledge his authority, nor can he. Because if he acknowledges any authority, ultimately that goes to Jesus Christ. And he wants the space that is Jesus's. And more than that, it says that he's talking wicked nonsense. The word there is he's, he's talking bubbles. Like, if I come, I can poke him, and it's obvious that it's nonsense. That's the, the word that's used. So I'm going to come, and I'm going to poke those bubbles, and you're all going to see it for whatever nonsense it is. But then it says he doesn't want to support the people who are coming through the area. Not only that, when somebody else does want to, he kicks them out of the church. Okay, so this is Diotrephes. He's a piece, right? So here is this guy who doesn't want to welcome when somebody's coming through the area. And, and for them at that time, of course, hospitality was hugely important in the church. Comes up all through the New Testament. And the reason why was at the time, of course, they didn't have any hotels, and you couldn't go on Expedia at a time to figure out where you're going, where you're going to stay. And so what they would do is they would rely on, when you were going from one place to another, they would rely on somebody there to put them up. And so they would do these things where they would have essentially associations, right? So you'd have a, an association where you and your family and those who are close to you, if 
if you would let them stay at your house, but then also somebody in another place would have their friends and their family, and you would form an association. And there were these associations that went so that you could stay at their place, and they knew that if they came to where you are, they could stay where you are. And so they would carry around these little tokens called symbolons, and they would carry them and they would show them, and you would know this is a person who's a part of my association, and I can put them up here in my home because when I go there... I may need to use that same thing. And so this guy, Diotrephes, doesn't want to put people up who bear the name of Jesus Christ. This is Diotrephes. Then there's another guy, Demetrius. Demetrius, in verse 12, says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So this Demetrius is apparently the guy who is carrying this letter to Gaius. And when John writes this letter and sends it with Demetrius, his expectation is that when Demetrius brings this letter and shows it to Gaius, That Gaius will not only put him up, but that he will also give him all he needs in order to continue on his journey for the sake of the gospel. And he says, Demetrius does not come without my testimony. The truth itself testifies to him, but he comes also under my covering. Okay, so this is Demetrius. You've got Diotrephes, you've got Demetrius, and then you've got Gaius. And if there's somebody in this story that we are, or we should hope to be, it would be Gaius. So, Gaius and Gals. Let's dive in. See what I did there? Okay, so to the beloved Gaius, here's what he says. Verse 5, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. So apparently... Coming back from wherever Gaius lives, there have been some who have been put up by Gaius, treated well by Gaius, and they have been telling about how great Gaius treated them when they were there. And so John says to them, or John says to Gaius, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as They are. This is one of my favorite things about the kingdom of God. Is that wherever you go, anywhere in the world, you may not understand the language. You may not understand the songs that are sung. But you will hear the name Jesus. And that, no matter where you go, strangers as they may be. You may have never met them before. 
but they are your brothers and your sisters in Christ Jesus because you hold commonly to Christ Jesus. No matter where you go, you will find them. No matter where you are, might be in an underground church, but you will have around you brothers and sisters, strangers, yet brothers. I love that turn of phrase. So John says to Gaius, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. Listen to this. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. What do you think a manner worthy of God means? I've been meditating on that phrase, chewing on it, because it's a little ambiguous. Do you think it means how you would treat God if he shows up in a manner worthy of God? Or do you think it means if God were treating them well, how would God treat them? I don't know. Either way, I think we would treat them the same way. Because a manner worthy of God, how would you treat God? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. Doesn't really matter whether it's saying that we, we receive them and send them the way God would, because God would send them with everything they need and more. Or if it means how you would treat God, you treat them. Because that would be a similar kind of thing. Because you are treating them, as it says in Matthew 10, 40, and, and, and it's the same as if you were receiving God. So I like that, and yet I've thought through that and worked on that. But this phrase also uh, up in, in uh, John or for 3 John um, verse 6 You will do well to send them on their journey. You will do well. I think why I love 3 John so much is that. You will do well. Because John doesn't start with, you will do well. He starts with, I pray that it would be well with you and that you would be in good health as it is well with your soul. He starts by praying for them. And now, after they have been well, he prays or says to them, now may you do well. Before you do, you be. And not just be a certain way, but you're in your soul well. One of the things I've always struggled with, and this is a personal thing, and I haven't made, ever really made a big deal about it. But one thing I've always struggled with 
is when fundraising in the church is done in a way that is unbiblical. I struggle with high-pressure giving situations. I always have. I think we do way more damage than we do good when we try to use guilt or pressured situations in order to get people to give. I, I think we do it because it short-term seems to pay off, but I don't think we're thinking long enough term. I think long-term, it's incredibly detrimental and does more harm to the kingdom of God than it does good. So I've always struggled with this. This has always been something that there's a dissonance in my heart because of it. But I say that at the same time on Wednesday that I said to those who were here in our Bible study, I said, you know, I struggle with high-pressure giving situations, but I'm all for high-pressure giving situations. As long as the pressure is coming from the right place. Here's what I mean by that. If I get up and pressure you to give, I think that's unhealthy. If, however, the pressure to give is from your own heart, the kind of pressure where you can't hold it in, and it's bursting at the seams with joy and gratitude for what God has done for you. Pressure from the inside out, that's a good thing. And that's what it's talking about here. First, may it be well with your soul, and then well with your health, and well with your circumstances. And may you do well. And here's why I love this. Because this is John the Apostle writing to Gaius. And John the Apostle, if anybody could apply pressure, I would think it would be him. Right? Like if John the Apostle wrote me a letter. It doesn't matter whether I like high-pressure giving situations or not. You tell me what to write out the check for, John the Apostle, and I'll write out the check for that amount. Right? He could apply pressure here. But he doesn't even pull what Paul pulls in Philemon. You know what I'm saying? I always love calling it Philemon because it sounds like I'm from Jamaica. But anyways, Philemon, whatever you want to call it. When Paul says there, he goes... Hey, listen, you go ahead and put it on my account, not to mention the fact that you owe me yourself. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love that phrase from Paul. But John doesn't even do that. This is the last living apostle, one of the big three, and he has every opportunity to apply pressure to Gaius and to say to him, listen, buddy, I'm the apostle John. I saw Jesus transfigured. I'm the last of them. You want to listen to me? Give. But he doesn't. He starts by praying, may it be well with your soul. And now you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. 
I love it because I think this is God's pattern. Oh, may it be well with your souls. And may that be so overflowing within you that you cannot contain it. And may there be so much gratitude and so much joy that it flows out into giving to those around you. Generosity of spirit. That's the pattern I see in scripture. And anybody who tries to use guilt or outside pressure to get you to give is not using a biblical approach. This is the pattern of God. And I'm a big believer in it. But the pressure comes from the inside out. He continues on. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Verse 7. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. This is the pattern of the Assemblies of God, world missions, and U.S. missions. That the pattern is not that you expect when I'm going into a field where they may not be able to support. Or where I'm going into a field where they've never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Where I'm going somewhere where there may not be the funds to be able to provide. We go to those who have well with their soul and they provide the support so that then the missionary can go out and minister. That's the pattern. And that's the pattern here as well. For they have gone out, why? For the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Verse 8, therefore... We ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. What a beautiful picture that is. Somehow, in the final accounting, when I support those and give to those who are going, I am counted as a fellow worker for the truth along with them. That is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So John writes all of this as the apostle to Gaius. And I think there's things that I can say as the pastor of praise that a missionary could not say. I think there's things that I can ask as the pastor of praise that a missionary could not ask. Because I read in this letter and try to figure out who I am, I think I'm Gaius too. I hope I'm Gaius, right? I'm just one of the Gaius. Okay. I'm going to keep using that joke until you laugh at it, okay? Just one of the Gaius. Okay. All right, that was enough. That's all I needed. Just that one. But I hope that's who I am. I, I, I certainly hope I'm not Diotrephes. You know, I mean, if there's anybody in there that I would want to be, it's Gaius. Because I don't benefit. As Praise Assembly increases giving to missions, my star doesn't rise with anybody. 
Okay, so apart from trying to handle things biblically, I got no skin in the game personally. Apart from us trying to do this in the way God would have us do it, I don't gain anything from it. And so I can say to us as a church that we should not just have our eyes set on just those around us. Yes, I want us to reach, and I am so passionate about that. You will hear it come out of my mouth a hundred times before the end of the year. Okay? But we cannot lose sight of the fact that the kingdom of God permeates all of humanity. And God is working all around this globe. And we have opportunity to participate with that. And when a missionary shows up here, they come under the covering of the assemblies of God. They've gone through the process. They have given up and they have laid down and they have been trained and they come with that covering. And we need to make sure that our approach is the approach of Those who have experienced the truth of God making it well with our souls. And as we have opportunity that the pressure from inside would build in gratitude and joy to overflowing so that there might be more strangers who we call brothers and sisters. And so I do want to today take up an offering. And I don't want to pressure you into giving. But I do want every missionary who comes through the doors of this church this week to be shown tremendous hospitality. I want them to be blessed for having been here at Praise. From the overflow of hearts and souls that are full. And so I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. We're going to pray over this offering. And as we pray over this offering, I want to just pray that God would work in each and every one of us in such a way that in gratitude and joy we would give. I would so much rather you give a dollar joyfully than a hundred dollars begrudgingly. And I would so much rather you give nothing with joy than give a thousand dollars and be bothered by it. To hold it against me. I would so much rather that this be a joyful and gratifying and grateful experience because it is well with our souls then we do well. I think that's the picture I see in scripture. So I'm going to pray over this offering.
And I'm going to invite our ushers to begin serving. And then I want to talk through this little book that's in your hands today. Father, I do thank you with such a grateful heart this morning. God, you know me and you know my heart and you know what you've done in me. And you know my response. And Father, you have called to us as a church as a result of what you have done in us to give joyfully and gratefully. Oh God, may there be pressure in our hearts overflowing outwards. May we ever follow that pattern, I pray. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for every missionary who will pass through the doors here this week. I pray, oh God, that the hospitality showed them here at Praise Assembly would be the type of hospitality of those who have experienced a God who has called us and welcomed us home. May it be of the same nature, oh Lord, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ushers, if you would begin to serve today as they're serving. I want to walk you through this little book here. Uh, It says Praise Missions on the front, 2019-2020 Missions Handbook. If you didn't get one of these on the way in as you're headed out at the doors, they will have those for you. So I want to walk you through uh, this little book. This is something that we print off every single year. A couple things I want to say about it. First thing I should probably point out is this is a snapshot of those missionaries that we support uh, here at Praise Assembly. If you see on one of those names a little exclamation point with a triangle around it, that means that that is a missionary who is serving in either what's referred to as a sensitive region or country, creative access country, whatever you want to call it. But it's the type of person that we do not want to blast on social medias. Hey, this person's in wherever. And so I would just ask you that especially if you see someone like that, that you not um, put their information out online. We're really very careful with that. And anytime a missionary comes, uh, we're really, we don't put it up uh, as a podcast or anything. And so uh, just be aware of that. The other thing I want to point out is that it is a snapshot of those who are supported here at Praise currently. So, for example, if you go to page 14 on that page is Tom and Nancy Westpital. Uh, Tom and Nancy contacted me a few months back, and they said that as a result of their ministries, they are at the point now where they no longer need the support of missions. And so at the end of this year, we are going to uh, stop supporting them financially. They're going to actually be getting support from those that they're ministering among. And so they're transitioning away from missions. But as part of that, you'll see their name in here because that will be for the next few months. We will still be supporting them. At that point, we're going to take that support and move it over to someone else, a new missionary. And so there will be additional missionaries that will be adding to this list this year, I can um, be fairly certain of that. Here's what I would ask you would do with this. So you'll notice in this book that if you didn't get one, again, make sure to stop at one of the doors on your way out. They'll get one to you. There is a little missions card. Uh, So it's an opportunity 
to make a commitment for the next year. So for Elizabeth and me, we have started the process um, of budgeting for our 2020, putting together our budget. If you're not reassessing your budget on a regular basis, you're probably not dictating where your dollars go. Your dollars are dictating where you go. And so for us, we budgeted or are working through that budget for 2020 personally. And so as part of that, as we're thinking and praying about what this might look like for us in 2020, that's what this card is about. And so what I'm going to ask is that you would take this next week and really spend some time in prayer. Think through and pray about, God, how would you have me personally participate in missions in 2020? I also want to point out uh, that I do expect that we are going to be taking on additional support at the beginning of this next year, okay? But you'll see on the card, the one in back in particular, that it says four things. Give, choose, pray, invest. So the giving is the part that is that monthly commitment. Choose. We ask every year that you would prayerfully um, look through those different missionary units and you and a family, as a family, would uh, think through pray through and allow the Lord to lead you to one family in particular. And then as you find that family that you would commit to praying for them all year long. But more than that, uh, not just choosing and praying, but also investing. At the back of this are birthdays and anniversaries for those missionaries and family. And that if, as the Lord leads you to one family in particular that you and your family would send birthday cards and anniversary cards and just cards letting them know you're praying for them throughout the year. So if you would, take time this week and don't just breeze through, but take time in order to pay attention to that and focus on that. We're not going to take up an additional offering next Wednesday. We're not going to take up an offering on Saturday. We're not going to take up an additional offering on Sunday. But what we will do on next Sunday is we will give you an opportunity to return those commitment cards to us so that we can plan for 2020 and make sure that we as a church are making and furthering our commitment to missions. You guys get all that? Did you guys get all that? All right. Good. If you didn't get one of those booklets on your way in, make sure to get one on your way out. And again, as a family, for us, we're going to bring our kids into this process. And we are going to make this a family endeavor because that's what we want it to be. Because someone might seem your stranger, but they're actually your brother. And you're stranger than them anyways. So So pray about it. Think about it. Allow the Lord to lead you. And we'll trust him in all of it. Does that sound good? All right. Here's how I'd like to end today. Here in a little bit, we'll do a prayer. But before we do, I want to end with just a song of worship to our God. Because he is the God who welcomed us home, showed us tremendous hospitality, who said to us, you are my children. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to end with a song of worship today. Then I'm going to pray a prayer and dismiss you. But let's begin or end with worship this morning. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify your precious name.
we thank you, Lord, that whatever we are facing right now, God, that you are with us and that you are fighting for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yes, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yes, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yes, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power, and He's fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord, we worship You. We worship You, O oh God. We give You. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love 3 John because of the fact that it does talk about love and truth and that they're so intertwined. I love you in truth, he says. And I think a lot of times we think that those two are like mutually exclusive or they fight against each other. Either you love someone or you tell them the truth. But very clearly through this, the only word that he uses more than love in 3 John is the word truth. And I don't think it's loving to not tell somebody the truth. And here in this, I think I see very clearly that the most important thing about us is the state of our soul. And it would be unloving of me to let you go without telling you the truth. You may have come here for other reasons, Besides the state of your soul, you may have come because there's something going on health-wise, so you show back up at church. You may have come because there's some circumstance in your life, and so you show up at church. My prayer for you is that all of those things would take a back seat to the state of your soul. May it be well with your soul. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you prayed a prayer one time, but he is not the Lord of your life, your soul is not well. You need Jesus. Hear that truth today in love. In love. What I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity this morning to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Declare him as the Lord of your life. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave and you can be saved. 
I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to encourage you just as I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life, that you would do the same along with me this morning. Father, I do come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And the most important thing is the state of our soul. Use everything in order to make my soul well, I pray. Use my health, use my circumstances to preserve my soul. In the name of Jesus, I ask. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. And I do pray for any who are in here right now who are not living with Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. Maybe they feel like they prayed a prayer one time and so like a flu shot, that was enough. Inoculated against hell. But Lord, that's not what Scripture says. That when you're Lord of our lives, when we put our faith in you, as we believe in you as our Savior, day to day, you save us, oh God. And so, Lord, I just pray that everybody here would hear that truth in love in the name of Jesus. Speak to the state of our soul right now. I do confess you as Lord of my life. You are Lord today. You are Lord today. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that in that there is salvation. Thank you for it in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're in here and you just confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, you believe in him, put your faith in him, today is the day of your salvation. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss, and as I do, I'm also going to invite our prayer team to come down to the front. But as they're coming down, if you're in here and you just put your faith in Jesus Christ, as others head out the door in a moment, I would encourage you to step out and come down to the front. They'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what this looks like uh, for you this morning, okay? So, so as others head out, don't head out. Head down to the front. And maybe you do need somebody to pray with you about some circumstance or some, some health issue this morning. Of course, the greatest issue is the state of your soul. But if you need prayer for anything, this prayer team has committed not just to pray for you during this time, but to pray for you all week long. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And may it be well with you. May you be in good health as it is well with your soul. God bless you today. Have a great week.